Throughout this podcast, I will be interviewing people across different fields and learning about the difficult discussions that they have within their careers, along with the tools that they use to manage those conversations. The end goal is to deduct common themes and skills among different individuals that can be applied to the complex conversations one has on a daily basis. You know, you can't be right in a difficult conversation unless there are facts at hand, because often it's two people feeling something. Uh, my name is Sneha Patel, and I currently head up people and culture at a health data company called Veda Data Systems, uh, which is basically the head of HR for a startup. Um, I have been the head of HR for two other organizations, uh, one a healthcare tech company and one a nonprofit in New York City. Uh, and before that, I ran a business uh, that I started with my sister, and we ran that business. Uh, I was there for about 10 years uh, as the chief operating officer. So have a significant background in HR and operations, um, and currently lead a team of four people um, for uh, an organization based out of Madison, Wisconsin. My name is Annabelle Walter, and this is Difficult Discussions, a podcast dedicated to finding a method to navigating difficult conversations. Some of the more difficult conversations that I help coach people through on a daily basis are often around job happiness and um, relationships with peers and managers. So um, some of the best examples I can give are often how people relate to their managers. You know, there's a... There's a hierarchy that naturally happens in organizations where people feel hesitant to speak up to managers. They they don't necessarily feel comfortable giving feedback upwards. Uh, And sometimes they don't know how to talk to their managers. And so um, they often become frustrated if they're not getting clear direction. They become frustrated if they don't feel like they can give uh, feedback on what's working, what's not working. And they'll come to me for coaching and guidance on how to have a robust conversation with someone that potentially has the ability to give them their bonus, you know, um, advocate for their raise, or um, uh, they sometimes think, well, I won't be the favorite or I'll be seen as the problem child. And so those are conversations that I have. I would say I probably speak to at least three to four employees a week about uh, how to have conversations with their managers. So a good example, currently I am working with an employee who feels that they don't get enough feedback from their manager. So they don't know how to pivot their responsibilities and their behaviors to ensure that they're being as successful as possible in the role. And so um, most of our conversation is centering around how to have diplomatic conversations where you're offering Um, your own perspective of your work and trying to solicit your manager's buy-in or constructive criticism. So how to really drive a conversation yourself or seek out feedback yourself from um, maybe a manager who's less experienced at managing or a manager who's less comfortable giving feedback. I, I so often see the beginning of a difficult conversation as really listening, right? So Um, what I'm trying to help them understand is asking questions is your best path forward in a difficult conversation. So we all, we all, we all have things we want to say to each other. And sometimes we go into a conversation with our mind already made up or a bias that we bring based on some experience that's happened to us in the past. And so I try to help them understand 
what's really important is to go into the conversation being very open-minded and understanding that they may not have the full picture. So go in asking questions. You know, we finished a project. I thought it went pretty well. Here's what I would do differently next time. What did you think? Right. And give that manager the opportunity to say, I didn't think it went as well. And here's why. Or I agree. I think it went really well. And I think you did those things well. But here's where I think you could have improved. Or here's where I think we should have gotten to in the end. And that allows for both sides to feel like um, they're being heard. But also, you know, you have a little bit of positive feedback along with maybe some constructive feedback. So having a difficult, difficult conversation within a difficult conversation, yes, but really using your power to drive the conversation to an outcome that you really want, as opposed to if you just kind of leave it open and say, hey, what did, how did you think that project went? The person might come back with, I didn't think anything went well, right? Because maybe all they can see in that moment is what could have gone better. But if you help them get to some things went well, some things could have gone better, they're going to have a more balanced perspective as well. And how do you think identity plays a role? How does your identity play a role when you are advising others on how to either facilitate a conversation or when on the receiving end of a difficult conversation? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that taps into a lot of the diversity and inclusion work that I do and how does maybe my personal identity, but also when I'm coaching people, how do I use or how do I help them use their own identity? identity to answer, um, to have difficult conversations. I'm a woman of color. I've, I've, um, had difficult conversations with many difficult populations, but I speak from where I come from. So my culture, it's a little bit more direct. It's a little bit more, um, we don't have as many pleases and thank yous. Um, our natural language is, is a bit more guttural. And so when we talk, we, um, we sound a little bit harsher than, than our intention. So I've had to really modify my speech to ensure I get in more of the pleases and thank yous. I've had to modify my speech to ensure that my facial expression is, I have a, I have a, a neutral expression on my face as opposed to maybe, um, you know, a, a rolling of my eyes or, um, you know, the, those nonverbal cues. Um, I tend to be somebody who wants to lead with humor and I've had to sort of learn to rein that in and be very still in the moment where someone is speaking as opposed to wanting to like make them feel better about what they're saying or want to add a joke for levity. Um, And so I've really had to think about how I show up for people, not just as the head of HR, but also when I'm having conversations about my own concerns, difficult conversations with my managers or CEOs that I've worked with. Um, I've had to really, um, oftentimes I've had to say, okay, is this an appropriate moment for that humor? Or is this an appropriate moment for me to feel defensive, right? Um, I think all of the things that make one, I'm a youngest child. And so sometimes I don't take things as seriously. I've worked with people who are oldest children, CEOs who say, you know, I just feel I'm responsible for everything. And all of that responsibility is on my shoulders Uh, And so I've had to help people understand part of your identity will always show up when you have a difficult conversation, but part of it, you also have to sit down and think, what are my triggers? You know, as I've grown up or my family dynamic or other jobs I've had, things may have happened that now, if I feel those coming on, if I think I am in the same situation, I might have a similar reaction. And I, and I really coach people to just pause and say, 
this isn't about me. This is a conversation and it's about the words that are happening in the room. So I think identity plays a huge role, but we have to remember we control our reaction to what people are saying, right? So to really just be still in that moment and allow the person to speak and feel heard. Sometimes that's 50% of the issue is people just don't feel heard. And so, you know, for my own identity, I've had to really just um, think about how do I show up in these moments? Because it's it's one thing to show up with your friends or to show up when everything's going well, but it's another reason, you know, it's another um, sort of aspect of yourself you have to bring forward when you're having difficult conversations where people might take something you say in like a throwaway comment or something you say in jest to lighten the mood. They may think that you're not giving them and what they're having to say to you as much value as, as it deserves. So there is an element of like looking at your identity and your reactions and your lived experiences and saying, you know, this might, this might be something that I should reel in here and seeing like, where does your identity, where is its place within a conversation? That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, your identity within a conversation can change depending on what type of conversation it is. But I think we all have different aspects of ourselves that we can call to bear when certain times require it. That just requires you knowing yourself. I mean, there were a lot of years where humor was my go-to. And when I really started working deep in HR and getting um, higher up in my tenure, I started realizing while humor is a great tool to use to deflect and to um, help people put help put people at ease, it also can make people feel like um, the conversation has taken a turn, right? So that you're done listening, or this is the, the serious part of this conversation is now over. And I think what again, what people really want is to feel heard. And so whatever part of my personality I can uh, call forth to be as present for them as possible, that's the piece of myself that I, that I'll lean on in that moment. Um, And I think, again, it's, you know, not just the verbal cues, we're giving out nonverbal cues, our facial expression, our body expression, I tend to be, um, I tend to sit very still and and, uh, um, upright. And I have to sort of mirror the other person's behavior and body language when I'm in the room with them, so that I don't seem as if I'm um, uh, any more or less uh, at ease than they are. So I do think that part, that's also part of our personality is just how we show up physically in a room as well. Some of the tools I use to keep conversations and especially difficult conversations civilized and on target um, are I, I try to take just a few notes. I'll say to the person, you know, I've come in um, with some notes that I've taken. I'm going to keep those here. You know, I'm going to turn those upside down, but I wanted to be prepared for this conversation. Um, But I'm also going to take some notes on what you're saying, because I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to make sure that I remember the things you've said, because they're important. And so I'll take down just a few notes every now and then, rather than interrupting the person. Um, So that's one thing I think is really important. Uh, Two, I think... um, uh, I, I have found great success with um, recapping what the person is saying to me. So using words such as, so let me make sure I understand and then trying to recap what they've said to me or um, recapping what I said and then 
asking, did I understand that correctly? That's a really important tool as well. Uh, and giving them the opportunity to say, no, you didn't, or yes, you did, but I actually think maybe I said it, maybe I didn't say it as clearly as I could have. Um, and then a third tool that I use to ensure that the conversation stays civilized and on point is um, asking questions. I just try to ask questions through clarifying questions. So I'll say, um, you said X, Y, Z, my understanding was A, B, C, where am I off? Right. So really, again, trying to just clarify. And one thing I, I have to caution people in doing often is when someone says something, we tend to be like, okay, uh-huh, I hear you. Um, that's really important. But I also think another important thing is to ensure that you are challenging statements that the person is making assumptions on, right? So one of the phrases I like to use is what assumptions could you be making? If the person says, well, you seem like you're always mad at me, the question I might ask is, where does that come from? You know, what are the things that are happening that, that make it seem like I'm always mad at you? And they might say, well, it's not something you've done, it's just this feeling I get, right? So then I can say, where do you think that feeling comes from? Um, and it feels sometimes like therapy, but it's often, I just don't have, I can't have an ego in these conversations, right? And I think that's the one thing I tell people most often is try not to have an ego in the conversation. Try not to be right. Just try to get all the information out and then have a real conversation. And you may not, you know, you can't be right in a difficult conversation unless there are facts at hand, because often it's two people feeling something. Um, that's what, it, that's a, at the core of the discussion. Um, so those are some of the tools I employ to try to keep it civilized and, and polite and on track. Yeah. So just going in and as soon as you're in that room, making it clear that you're there for them and that you're like actively listening. That's right. Yeah. And that's really difficult because human nature is we want to be right. You know, if we, if we have a perception of how the something went and we, we have to talk about, Hey, this didn't go well, or I wasn't happy when you did this. Um, we want the other person to hear us as well, but in order to get to the point where they can hear us, we have to first be able to hear them. And so again, putting aside that ego or putting aside needing to be right uh, or needing to be heard up front is the most important path to getting to an end result where you feel like, okay, I heard them, they heard me. Look at the end, we might not agree. We might say, okay, we're willing to say 50% was both of us and maybe the other 50%, I'm not gonna understand why this happened. But I think next time I'll have a better understanding of um, how I can react to it when it happens. And if a conversation stops being productive and it starts, you know, going south and it's becoming more of an like an argument, then, you know, what do you advise people to do then and what do you do yourself? That is a really good question. Um, and I don't think enough people think about that before they go into one of these tough discussions. So in the event that the conversation starts going off the rails or becomes maybe too emotional to be rational, often I will say, it feels as if we are not going to be able to hear each other, or it feels as if I'm not in a place where I can really hear you. I'd like to take some time. I'd like to take the night. I'd like to take a few hours, whatever the time amount you need is. Would it be okay if we came back together tomorrow to continue the conversation? And I think that's very hard in that moment to not just want to, you know, um, 
go back at the person or to say, well, to defend yourself, it's very difficult. But when you start to feel that you are getting um, emotional or you're not able to say the words that you know you have inside of you, it's an important moment to just pause and, and put it on yourself. You know, say, I don't feel like I'm communicating at my best or I don't feel like I'm showing up for you in the way I need to. I'd really like a little bit of time to just gather my thoughts. Would you be okay with that? I've never had somebody say no to me in all these years I've been doing this. Um, and it's really just being willing to say, I, I don't think I'm at my best. And maybe really what you're trying to say is they're not at their best, but you can't tell someone that, right? So you really have to take that on yourself and just say, I just need a little bit of time. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm not showing up for you in the way I want to. And that often is, uh, again, coming from a place of humbleness. But the values that I try to keep at the front of my mind when I go into difficult conversations for myself or when I'm coaching others through difficult conversations. The biggest one is empathy, really, to try and remember everyone's going through things in their own lives, in their own days. And that often this isn't personal. You know, they're not trying to hurt me. They're not trying to do something intentional. It's the byproduct of us just living our life. And and the most important person to us is us. So we don't think about others as much as we think about ourselves, which is, again, human nature. That's not meant to be selfish, but we often might walk away from a conversation thinking it was fine and someone else might've gotten their feelings hurt, or they might've misconstrued a word that we used or, or our intention. And so I try to remember when someone comes to me and says, Hey, I really need to talk to you about X, Y, Z. It hurt my feelings. They're doing me a favor by letting me have that conversation or saying, I didn't appreciate when you did this other thing. That's actually better than them being upset with me and me not knowing why, or me wondering, there feels like there's a chill in the air, what has happened. It's better for them to try to come and talk to me or for me, if it, if it happens to me, for me to say, hey, I'm really sorry that I did that. And even if they don't remember what happened or they're like, oh, it didn't bother me, it makes me feel so much better, right? To be able to say, I'm really sorry. Or when you said this thing, it hurt my feelings and maybe there's no basis for my feelings being hurt. And I can't tell you why that happens but it did, it hurt my feelings. And can we talk about it? And so I think just coming from a place of empathy, not just for the other person, but for myself, that I'm a human, things bother me. If something's bothering me, I don't want to lose sleep over it, right? So I think that is the most important value. And then the second important value for me is just integrity. You know, I really care about people. I care about how I show up for them. And again, if I can get better at communication um, through having difficult conversations and learn from those, then that's for me, um, just the more honest and the more um, authentic I can be for the next person that I work with or that I'm friends with, or that's, you know, I'm family with. Uh, and so I try to take it as a learning opportunity. I'm not always successful at that. I'm human as well. And so sometimes um, I don't do it right. And I have to go back and say, can we, can we have a do-over? But I think empathy and integrity are super important for me when I go into these conversations. And sort of going off of that point, um, what do you think are the most important things for an individual to keep in mind, whether they are the facilitator of a conversation or on the receiving end of a conversation? So I think the most important thing by far to keep in mind is, again, this is not personal, right? Even if it feels personal, even if the subject matter is personal. Um, it's not intended to be personal uh, often. The person is just telling you how they feel and that's their 
that's for them to own, right? So you cannot change who you are. If someone says, I don't like the way you smile, that's not helpful feedback. That's not really a difficult conversation that I'm willing to have. But if someone says, I felt like you were laughing about me or at me behind my back, that's a conversation I can have. And so I don't take that personally. I think that person felt that way. And so I, it's my opportunity to say, that's not what was happening. Let me explain to you what was happening. Um, and my hope is I'm not laughing at someone behind their back. That's, you know, that's not productive. Um, and so I think just try remembering, don't take it personally is, is very important. I also think um, listening is so important, right? I think we, many people uh, listen to speak. They're in their mind crafting, what's my next question going to be? What's my next answer going to be? As opposed to really just taking the moment to listen to what this person is saying and thinking to yourself, what if 20% of what this person is saying to me right now is true? What if 20% is true? Let me just assume 20% is correct. How can I change or how can I get better or how can I react to fix that 20%, right? That's, let's just say it's not 100%. Let's say it's not even 50 but if only 20% of what they're saying, even 20% of what they're saying is, is real or is fact-based or made them feel something that you wouldn't want them to feel, how do you modify based on that 20%, right? So just assume that there's some merit to what they're saying and then try to meet them, um, you know, maybe not halfway, but try to meet them in a way that they feel like, okay, you heard me, you're willing to um, put the effort into this relationship that I'm willing to put in, then we can move from there. And why do you think it's important to practice having productive conversations? So it's interesting. I started taking coaching certification classes about four years ago and had been doing HR for quite a while before that and and really just wanted to get better at asking empowering questions and coaching people as opposed to telling them what to do or advising them. And through that process, I learned a lot about who I was and how I was showing up for people. Uh, and so now my tactic has changed in terms of how I apply these behaviors. I used to just apply them at work. And now I really try to apply them across my personal life as well. And I have found I learned so much more about people when I go in asking questions, when I really listen and I listen hard for what they're really saying, not just the surface words that they're using. So I, I'm not hundred percent at it. I get better every day. I strive to get better every day. Um, but I think what's important is once you start doing it and once you start unpacking why you show up for people, the way you show up for them, you start to really understand. I don't have to be right. I don't have to have the last word. I'd rather be, um, I'd rather, you know, understand and seek to be understood than, you know, having all the answers. And so I think uh, I get better at it every day, but I think starting early is really important. There, were, there are not a lot of classes in school that teach you this. Um, you know, there's debate, which is phenomenal, but it's not necessarily having a difficult conversation with someone in your personal life or someone at work. Uh, so I think I wish I'd started earlier. I'll say that, but uh, I get better at it every day. and I really do try to, to remain much more calm um, than, I, than I used to, frankly. So just practicing these difficult conversations. So when you're in that situation, you can keep an open mind. Like I think being open-minded, you're right, is important, but also having 
having thought through what I want to say, um, I do more of that now than I ever have done. I would just go into meetings and wing it. And I was pretty good at it. I, so I, or so I thought, and then what I realized was they go so much better when you've prepared and you have the right mindset. Picture this, you're about to walk into the room with someone and you know, you're about to have a difficult conversation with them. Um, what do you tell yourself before you go in, before you open that door? Um, so before I'm about to go into a difficult conversation with somebody, I prep myself and I get my mindset to a place where I think, and I have a mantra that I say, you know, um, listen, just listen. And I often will say shh to myself before I go in, I'll just say shh. And on my piece of paper that I've turned over on the table, I will write shh at the top of it because it's important to remember that I'm there to listen first and foremost, right? So I really try to get into the mindset of, okay, just listen. I'm not acknowledging that they're right or wrong. I'm just listening. There's no harm in that. And so I think that is the most important thing is to go in ready to listen, not ready to convince someone of something, right? Because you could learn something in that those first couple of minutes that could completely change the way you think about it. Uh, and so I really try to talk myself into just be an absorber, just take in what they're talking about and then think about it. Um, and if I'm nodding my head or I'm saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I understand your perspective. That doesn't mean I'm agreeing with it, but it does mean I have to acknowledge that they had feelings about something that happened or they had a perspective about something that happened. And that then brings us to a place where they're more willing to listen to me. Um, and that's really what I want to, right? I want to be heard as well. So I usually tell, that's a, a big thing is I just say, listen, and then I um, will write shh at the top of the page, pretty large. Um, and the second thing I, I do is to, to remind myself that they're trying to work this out as well, right? They wouldn't be coming to me if they didn't care about their relationship. They would just write me off or they would say, I'm just going to push it down and be angry about it later but they really want to make it work. And that's sort of the best possible place you can start from. Is there a mantra or something you tell your, or the people you're talking to, to go in with when they then have their difficult conversation later? Yeah. I often tell people seek to understand. I, there is, I think it's a quote by someone, I'm not sure who wrote it, but um, first seek to understand. Right. And again, this goes back to listen hear what they're saying, try to understand where they're coming from. doesn't mean you have to ag agree, but acknowledge that they have a perspective. So I often tell people seek to understand. I also tell them um, to try to put themselves in the other person's shoes, right? It's in a very old adage, but I think it's a very difficult thing to call someone to have a conversation with you. And if that person has asked you to have the conversation, remind yourself that that took a lot of courage. And if you've asked them to come and have a conversation, be proud of yourself that it took a lot of courage, right? And give them the opportunity to show up. They couldn't maybe make, they couldn't do the first outreach, but now here they are. And you just have to remind yourself that it takes a lot of courage to be in that room, trying to work something out. So I think the same advice I give to myself is what I give to other people when I coach them. I mean, I think the, the one thing I would say to you is um, if the conversation it, it, when you are having the conversation, you have to get to a point in the conversation where you are 
problem solving, right? So before you leave the room to check in with the other person and say, are we okay? Are we good? Like, can we, you know, do you feel like we can move forward now? And I think that helps just people have a blank slate and that every time something happens after that, you don't think, oh, maybe they're still upset about that thing we talked about, right? You, you've acknowledged that, hey, we talked about it. Do we both feel good about this? Can we move forward? Um, and you start fresh. And I think that's really an important thing to sort of close out a tough conversation so that the other person, you know, if you, if you are having a bad day and maybe you didn't see them in the hallway, they might think, oh, she didn't even acknowledge me. She might still be mad about that thing or upset about that thing. But because you've acknowledged that you're both going to move forward, you're less likely to take anything that happens personally or attribute it, you know, to bad intention. So I think I would say just sort of when you go to leave, figure out a way to wrap up the conversation.